Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey everyone and welcome back. Today we have Sarah and Grant Nestor joining us. They are the founders of Hammies, a Santa Barbara-based retro clothing brand. Today we're going to learn about their journey as creative entrepreneurs and I'm so excited to dive in. Welcome Grant, welcome Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. It's been a long time coming. I've been so excited to get you both on the podcast because I'm really inspired by your journey, everything that you have built. And I was lucky enough to see you kind of build it from the ground up. I remember when you started the company several years back. So I'd love to just jump in by asking you how it came to be. What was the inspiration behind Hammy's and how has it grown over the last several years? Hammy's started in 2017. It's been about six years now. And the original inspiration was... um, yeah, you know, I, I was wearing these vintage OP shorts that I got from you know, thrift stores and eBay and stuff like that. Um, I was wearing those for a few years and I just noticed that people were like commenting more and more on the shorts. And I was telling them, you know, like these are the best shorts ever. If somebody doesn't bring these shorts back, then I'm going to have to do it. So I, I waited a couple of years, like, cause I, I actually thought somebody probably would. I mean, you know, it just, it kind of made sense. Like trends were heading in that direction. And, uh, yeah, about two years later, like nobody was doing it. So I just figured like, okay, I'm going to look into what it takes to get shorts made because I had no experience doing anything like that. So we were living in LA at the time. Um, and I would just make afternoon trips down to the garment district in LA and talk to different people about, you know, sourcing fabric and getting fabric dyed, you know, sourcing trim, um, and then eventually getting everything like cut and sewn together. And that whole process took um, about six months until we had the first production run of Hammy's shorts. And uh, I think the first batch was about 150 shorts. Um, I I remember receiving them and Mm -hmm. and thinking like, oh, my God, these are perfect. These look just like the original (laughs) shorts. And now looking back at those shorts compared to what we have now, it's like, wow, like what a piece of shit. (laughs) The quality was so bad. But, um, we were actually say like, I can't believe we, we allowed ourselves to sell these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were fine, but just, you know, they fell a long way. So, um, yeah, we did the first batch, sold them to friends, you know, created a shop, uh, a website on Shopify, um, actually started getting orders from like random, ra- random people. people somehow. Um, and then the, the second batch was about 750 and then 1500 and then, you know, like 3,500 and it just kind of kept doubling. And, and shipping and packaging from our house in our little office, we'd get the boxes and we would yeah. put them in bags. And I remember the, um, because I was teaching at the time, uh, full-time and Grant was also working full-time as a, um, software, software developer. And mm-hmm. uh, so this was like a side job. He went to Burning Man one year and he, ha- he had me do all the packaging. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, how are we supposed to unload all of these? How am I supposed to unload all of these boxes? Because it was one of the largest shipments we had at the house before we were going to go to the fulfillment center, which is what he was about to say. 
Um, so all the packaging, all of that was done at the house for the first two years. Yeah. So we basically had like the second bedroom in the house. that was just filled up with shorts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after about two years of doing that, we, we decided to, um, you know, it couldn't really balance doing, you know, my software development stuff and doing hammies. So we decided to switch to doing hammies full time. Um, we got married around the same time. We um, moved all the stuff, like we moved out of LA. So we moved all the shorts into a fulfillment center in San Bernardino um, that warehoused our stuff and did all the shipping and returns and things like that. And the thinking was behind this, um, since we're moving out of LA and we're going to go to Santa Barbara, which is where Grant's from, we wanted to go on a long honeymoon. So we thought, okay, I'm leaving my job because I'm teaching and I can't do that remote. And Grant's going to leave his position. If we can make Cammy's work from across the world, then we could probably make it work in Santa Barbara. So it was kind of a test run for see, to see how Hammies was going to do while we were on our honeymoon. Yep. Yep. So we, um, yeah, we were planning on doing like a nine month trip, um, to Australia and Indonesia, um, Thailand, Vietnam, Vietnam, Japan, and we made it about four months in. So we went to Australia and Indo, um, COVID happened. And then we were just, you know, we were thinking about it, like, you know, we could, we could probably, um, continue this trip. It's just, you know, the worries and the warnings of not being able to actually enter back in the United States if things got bad. And I think if we weren't on the tiny Island of Gilead Trawangan, we might have stayed if we felt somewhere a little safer, but there wasn't a single hospital. There wasn't anything that we could, that could sustain like the infrastructure of like a real medical emergency. So we, and, and there was like, you know, there was hysteria, like, you know, um, there was rumors about how, um, the port at, at, um, Bali might close or like the airport might close. So it's just like people were, yeah, I mean, it's just, it was a very uncertain time. Like nobody really knew what was going to happen. So, Oh, and then on top of that, we didn't really feel that great. We sort of got a little, a little was, bit sick. I was like 30 days constipated at that point, <laughs> maybe 20 days. Um, so yeah, so we thought, okay, it's fine. We'll, we'll just go. Yeah. So we came back, we settled in Santa Barbara, which is where we were supposed to end at the beginning. Um, uh, we always knew that was our ending spot. And then we happened to find a family friend's house who was, um, uh, it was available for us to live in. So we started renting there within three days. We were in Bali to, went from Bali to Santa Barbara and started living. And, um, and six months later, um, Sarah got pregnant and it's like, okay, I guess we're not going anywhere. <laughs> And, Santa Barbara is the place. And so, yeah. And so then Hammy's was full on, full time. And then um, e because of COVID, e-commerce sort of blew up and Hammy's was on that bandwagon and we started to grow and grow. And then what coupled with the e-commerce was um, skating got really popular and a lot of skaters were into Hammy's. And so we just... Um, we hit it at the right time and we just, it's sort of, um, I would say jump started um, the business. Amazing. Amazing. I love, I mean, of course I'm familiar with your journey and I was, you know, seeing, watching from the sidelines for the first part of it and fortunate enough to be one of those very first customers to purchase <laughs> one of the first pairs of shorts. But I remember coming, going to your house and seeing like stacks and stacks of shorts and boxes in that second bedroom and there was already a high demand. I feel like there was a high demand from the start um, because there was there were no shorts like it. For anyone listening, if you're not familiar, look up Hammy's shorts. They are so cool, so comfortable. Um, 
And I always felt like I struggled with finding, you know, a good solid pair of shorts, which I think many people do. And that's why you have such a great um, and expanding base of people who are buying from you. But I think it's so inspiring how you've been able to grow the business over the last, you know, seven years and, and scale it and be able to do that while you're raising your daughter. I, you know, when I launched my own company, I felt like there was so much personal growth that came from diving into entrepreneurship and like having to figure everything out. So can you tell us a little bit about how launching Hammies has impacted you personally, like at stepping into this role as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Be- before get, Grant gets started, question. I'm going to just toot his horn for him because he won't do that. <laughs> but he is an entrepreneur by heart and trade, and he is extremely talented when it comes to business. And the fact that whether you're you have something to do with cooking or clothing or industrial tools, everything that is online requires skills that Grant has for whether it's programming or just understanding things on the internet, like basic marketing. Um, He was able to do this by himself for the longest time and grow it on his own because of that skill set. So it's been a one man band for the majority of Hammy's life. Um, So I think a lot of this comes very naturally to him, but um, there has been growth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess just to touch on that, because uh, we got the personal growth and then you got the like uh, professional growth. So I, yeah, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I grew up in that environment. And um, I mean, I remember being four years old and, you know, putting together binders and putting papers in the binders. And I, I'm doing business, you know, like, for, like playing, <laughs> playing business. Um, so I had, I had a bunch of just little companies growing up. Like they were actually clothing companies, like t-shirt companies and things like that in elementary school, junior high, high school, college. Um, and then after that, I, I kind of like came to a real, realization that like, I don't, I don't want to work in the fashion industry. I, I'm much more interested in the internet and technology. I think that's like, you know, that's like the most exciting thing happening these days. So I, I pivoted and um, did that for about 10 years, you know, worked, um, worked a job for a bit and then tried to do some tech startups um, of my own. And, uh, you know, never really raised money, never really got things off the ground and then just started contracting and doing um, design and then eventually teaching myself at a program and then doing programming as a contractor. Yeah. So I've always kind of done my own thing. Um, and you started the entrepreneurship program at USC, yeah, which I is like a huge that. thing that he forgets about. I did that. Yeah. I, also an only child. So um, I think that a lot of the stuff came natural because I just did a lot of a lot of uh, creative you know, DIY, DIY stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a kid. So, um, going into hammies. Yeah. I had a lot of experience with, um, using the internet, using digital tools and programming and design and, and a lot of stuff that I needed to get it off the ground. And then as the company's grown, it's, um, well, it's not only just become totally overwhelming trying to do everything and also raise, you know, a daughter, um, but it, it, you know, there's a lot of, it just eventually you get to a point where like, there's certain things that you just, you really need other people that are better than you to, to help you do those things. And um, I think it came to a point where everything in the business, its own little institution, like you have marketing and you have communications and you have logistics 
each it it was to a point where Grant was able to manage all of those parts of the business. And then he realized, we realized that um, there are professionals doing each of these as full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not sustainable for um, a founder to be able and doing it well all at the same time. So it was just, it was a force of its own that pushed us to um, grow the team. Yeah, it's inevitable. Uh, Eventually you get to a size where you you need to start, you know, delegating and, and building out a team. I could say um, for the personal growth, um, um, for me, I, I knew nothing about business at all. I know something about fashion because I was interested and I dressed myself. Um, but when it comes to understanding the behind the scenes of fashion, you realize there's a lot less fashion intelligence and it's a lot more of just like it's actually a business. Um, so we're just learning how to do certain, the way you speak in terms of social media and copyright and the way you communicate and the way that you, your face of the company and the creative, it's, there's so many things about it. So I just have learned everything, everything about hammies is something basically new for me. I would say for you, um, one of the, your growth, one you're still working on is, um, because you're an entrepreneur and you've started it is just letting go and knowing that like you mm-hmm. can't do it all. And so bringing on those people and trusting them with your, you know, first child, um, it's, yeah. that's yeah. a hard thing to do. Yeah. I think that is a big one. Cause I have done, um, a lot of the stuff I've done in the past has been kind of solo, um, maybe like with one other person. So that has been something, um, that's been a challenge, but you know, it's starting to happen and it's definitely starting to pay off. And then also, yeah, I think, you know, learning how to separate the business from your personal life um, is also really important um, at, at certain points because, you know, like bad things happen with the business and it's like, you don't want that to like destroy you personally. Uh, so we've, we've gone through, through a couple of like dramatic things that, um, you know, that, that were really hard. Um, but then, you know, once you get on the other side of it, you just realize like, that's just, you know, it's going to happen. Um, that is part of running a business and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just, it's, there's a lot of value in being able to like create that, that separation. Um, and as we move forward, as we, as our family grows, it's going to be, um, it's going to be more and more critical for us to kind of create more separation, you know, like separating work from, from home, um, or like the work workplace from, from the home. And, um, yeah, and just like not working all the time so that I can spend more time with the kids and doing things that are like really important in life. Um, that's yeah. And that's still work in progress. Still, still trying to figure out how to do Very that. Very much work in progress. It's, it's coming. I absolutely. And thank you for sharing all of that with me. I, I can totally relate to what you're saying about separating work from business, because I think that it's often easier when you have a nine to five. You know, you can clock in, you can clock out, and sometimes you do have responsibilities to take care of outside of work. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're always working, even if you're not at your computer, like you're thinking about (laughs) what you're going to do next. So you're still kind of working. And that's been a big challenge as well. Um, And I find, like for me, I have found that setting boundaries is so, so, so important, like boundaries with social media, boundaries with when I check my email, boundaries with um, working on weekends, like, and it's never perfect, like, because sometimes when things come up, uh, you know, I was putting out fires this weekend on a Sunday and things come up and you have to deal with them. But 
I really appreciate your model. And I, I think that it's so important when you start anything to do it yourself first and then bring in help. You know, um, a question that I had for you, because the majority of our listeners are either artists, visual artists, um, or creative entrepreneurs. What advice would you give to anyone who has an idea and wants to start a new project? Perhaps it's a company or just something else that they want to bring to fruition. Um, maybe they're feeling a little nervous or, you know, intimidated by it. Like what advice would you give? Yeah, I think um, it's really important to um, you, put, you put something out there, you know, as as quickly as you can um, and try it out because um, this was not my first attempt at starting a business. I've, I've attempted many, many times and uh, this was the first one that really stuck. Yeah. You know, it's just like figure out what, what it is that you, that you want to create and then just figure out like the, you know, in the tech world, it's the minimum viable product. You just create like your MVP and you put it out there and you see how people react to it. You see if there is a demand for it. And then um, if, if it seems like there is, then you kind of figure out how can I, where is the real value? You know, you start to figure out like you have a theory about what, what it is that people are going to want, but then you like start getting feedback from people and you figure out what it actually is. Um, I think one other thing about Hammy is that is um, I think one reason why it has worked and why people like it is because it's um, super niche. You know, it's not, it's really, we don't have any real competitors um, because what we're doing is, is very unique. And, um, yeah, maybe our market, you know, our, um, market is not as big as, as it could be if we were doing some of this more generic, but, um, the people that are our customers and fans are, um, are super loyal because what we're doing is really unique and you can't, you just can't like replace it. Um, at least, at least now you can't. So I, I definitely recommend that to people. It's like, if you're trying to, um, start a business or do something, um, really try to like hone into something very specific yeah i mean start there and then like and then you can kind of yeah it's going to change along the way but i remember grant saying at the way beginning when people would come to up to him and just say like hey i have this idea or a lot of the time it was like hey i have this idea for an app and because he was in the app world he's like many times would be say well there's about two of those that already exist or uh, here's a, someone would come up and say i had this really unique idea and Grant's like what is it and it's like actually that does already exist i'll tell you the name so um I, I think that the advice would be what Grant said. Um, don't just create something niche because that's just like what might work. It's just take your idea and see where there is a void in the market. I think that's what you called it. Because yeah. um, that means that someone needs it. And more often than not, if it doesn't exist, which a lot exists, but like there's a way that you can tweak it that is just perfect for a lot of people. And if it's good for a lot of people then it will continue to be good for a lot of people. And you don't have to have like the number one idea that goes viral worldwide because there are so many people. And I don't think people realize that even with an idea that's, it's kind of small, but it, it works really well, it will be a success. Yeah, absolutely. And like one thing I think that you both have done so well and continue to do so well is that you bring so much of yourselves and your interests and your passion. And like, you know, having known you for a while, even just walking into your house for the first time, it's very apparent that you both loved vintage, you loved retro, you were mm -hmm. super artsy. And like, you bring all of that into your brand. 
it feels like you, you know, like when I see the images on social media or I go to your website or just the clothing itself, like it feels like such a reflection of both of you and your personalities and things that you just genuinely love seeing Sarah, meeting Sarah for the first time. I was just looking at her outfit thinking like, oh my gosh, this girl is so stylish and so cool. But you really bring that into your brand. And I think that could also be part of it too, is like finding something that you love and that you're excited about. And that really feels like an extension of you as well. Because I think the more you put into it, the more niche it's going to be, you know, just by Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people say, um, whether it's, it might be hard if you're a numbers person, but um, the more of yourself that you can pour into your idea, the more genuine and authentic you can be, um, the better it is received. And people, I think in today's world, they, they really like the personal touches of companies and they want to know who's behind it and why, because it just drives more of a an interest to the brand because there are thousands and thousands of clothing brands and there are the, the, you know, high value, the Gucci's and the Louis Vuitton's, but then there's also these really small niche companies that um, they're not really popular, but they, they serve a purpose for a certain customer and they're just putting their experience and into the, the clothing because something didn't fit well or something didn't feel right. And they just make their, their own like accommodations to these products. And then all of a sudden it's like a, a huge hit. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we talk about brands, I mean, I think people relate to brands in a very similar way that they re- relate to other people, you know? What is a brand? Um, it is a person. I mean, yeah, obviously it's not a person, but I think that the way that we relate to them, talk mm-hmm. about them, think about them is, is similar. Um, it's like, you know, a brand has personality. And unfortunately, as as brands get bigger, they just lose, lose, that touch. lose personality. It just, it just, it's ine- inevitable. You have so many different people involved. And- yeah, and to their defense, even as a small company, I can see how that can happen when you grow too quickly and you have to bring on so many people because it it you need the help and sometimes the message gets lost or there's just too many cooks in the kitchen but at the end of the day um it really is like a person yeah 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 and you've done that so well i mean you have such a big following on social media but i always see you if it's like one of your birthdays or you know you show pictures of your daughter in the shorts or in other articles of clothing that you sell and it's just it's such a reflection of you and and not just your interests, but also your lifestyle, you know, living by the beach and living in California. And, and I think it is important too. It's interesting because a lot of the advice that I give or receive uh, from creative entrepreneurs is very similar advice that I would give to artists, which is even for, a, let's say, a painter, um, yeah. it's important to show up on social media and tell uh, you're following about yourself and why you create your art and what it means to you and where you get inspiration for your paintings because it helps build investment amongst your audience and it helps turn what I call interested admirers into collectors or buyers and it creates trust. Yeah. It creates that sense of trust with your audience and I think you two do that so well because it's so genuine and it's coming from such an authentic place. Yeah, I, I remember when we were in Bali and we were talking about the brand and just what's our vision and what our vision board for how many followers and what kind of store would we want to be in? I mean, this was at the way beginning. 
And one thing that we always talked about was like, but what's our story? And so we always come back to that. It's just, it's not only about what's the story of a piece of clothing, like where did it come from? How did we get inspired? And where is it now? It's the story, it's the journey of the business. So like where it started and and all of the troubles that we've gone through and all the hardships, that's part of the story. And it helps create again, this brand, which is, which is a person, it's, it's a relationship that we have with it, but it's kind of living, breathing on its own. And, um, I think that the narrative or the story, however you want to call it is, is so important for a a company or a brand because it, I think that's what makes it more alive than just the clothing itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm glad to hear that you think that like our personality is coming through the brand because we don't do, we're not big social media people um, on our own as individuals. And so we don't do a lot of like, Hey guys, like, let me just talk to you in my face here. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to, because a lot of people say that we should. And so we're trying to make it. But we're we're really not like, we're we're not trying that hard. Um, It's just something that um, we haven't done much of yet, but it's good to hear that the personality is still coming through. Um, you know, whatever, just like the, 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 the graphics yeah. and the, yeah. the copy and the, the things that we do to, you know, the branding, the, the way the brand presents itself. Well, and, and that's so good to hear. You're right, because there's so much that goes into what colors will we use? What will it mix yeah. and match with? And that's a hundred. The only people doing that, it's Rand and I. So like, that's the start. Yeah. And it's just, I, I guess that we are not trying to make the brand about ourselves, which just that's not really... Um, what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. Maybe we will do more of that in the future because people appreciate that. And I, I totally get it. Yeah. If I were to try to explain what the brand is right now, it's, um, you know, we're basically trying to bring back, like if this, you know, we want the brand to feel like it's, it's from the 1960s, like, you know, in, in everything that we do, like in, in the photo shoots that we do and the way that we put those to graphics and the way that we you know, do our copy and things like that. Um, because it was very different back then, you know, just, it was, um, I think from our interpretation of it, since we weren't there. (laughs) Totally. totally, Yeah. Like just looking back at old, um, old ads and, um, old TV shows and old songs. It's just, there was, there was something. And I think you said this first, there was a feeling of purpose. Like people were a part of something. There was a movement and it was coming off of a time where things were really dire and there was a lot of war and there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of unrest. And so people felt like expression was a part of why they were alive. And so clothing and music and all these things of self-expression became a driving force of the culture of the decade. So it's, it's one that we, um, you know, I think that we feel connected to, even though we weren't a part of it. Um, yeah. and it feels this, um, and it's, it's really great to hear people who are like, I grew up in this and this is so nostalgic. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, great. If we're connecting with people that they are not necessarily our peers, we didn't grow up with them, but they're getting what we want them to get. Then we're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is also, I think this is why your company is so successful because it's such a beautiful reflection of both of you individually and collectively, but also it's something like you're saying that so many people connect with. And I think this is what art does, right? Like this is what good art does. When you create a a work of art, you're creating it to express yourself. But then what happens is that people are moved by it. People connect with it. People who have never even met you um, 
are connecting with something that you made. And it's such, I think it's like the most powerful thing that there is. I completely agree. And I think it's because when people make art, the intention is to share. And when we're making stuff, we are trying to the best of our ability to be the most inclusive as we can. And, you know, there are some limitations to making certain sizes with certain things. But if you have your, your intention is to be exclusive, your intention is already leaving people out. And so when you think about artists and you think about creators, the best ones are the ones who say, I want as many people to feel as much joy and happiness from this <laughs> as I do. Well, and I think there's, it's a spectrum, right? Like there's lots of different kinds of art out there. And yes, I mean, some of the art that gets the most recognition is like the most exclusive kind of art. Um, but the kind that we're trying to do, and I think that, um, you know, ours again, is like based on or inspired by the, you know, the, the art of the 1960s, the fashion, <laughs> you know, the design of the 1960s, which was, um, it was just like, it was really lighthearted. Um, it was really kind of cheesy in a lot of, a lot of ways, but in, in a really awesome way. And, um, yeah. And, you know, it's like, we're, we're just focused on like the clothing, like the, the fashion part, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with the, the music from the time and, and, um, you know, like the, like car design or, um, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that were so, um, so much better back then, you know, like the design, um, and the style was just so, so superior to, you know, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, um, to the design and style of things today. So, you know, it's just, we're trying to, um, channel that essentially and, and like bring that back and make that available to people these days. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful. And also, it you know, I'm just thinking like it was a time before social media and before technology. And I think that's such a double-edged sword too, because there's been so much like beauty in, in the rise of technology, but also something has gotten lost in that, which is human connection and when I think about hammies, I one of the first things that comes to mind is like these beautiful videos that you've created of people skating together, wearing hammies, and you feel this like sense of community. I think that's also been a big part of what you've done is like cultivating the, a sense of community through the skating culture in California and um, and connecting that with your brand, which has been really powerful to see. Yeah, for a long time, we called it like the one discount was like Hammy's family. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, we, that's how I, I love to think about it. Like, it's just one, you know, the like, you know, the 60s of like peace and love. Like, I know that it's um, <laughs> far-fetched, but it's, if, that's a great goal. And it's a great vision to have. And, you know, you might come short, but it's, um, yeah, I think it's, some, it's one of the things we're aiming for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so questions that I have for you, two big questions. One is, what is the biggest challenge that you faced since launch, launching Hammies? If you don't mind sharing, because I like to be really yeah. transparent in these conversations about, you know, I've spoken on these podcast episodes as well about challenges and hardships I've faced since launching my company. Um, and so, so many amazing things, of course, too. But what has been, the, if you had to say, like one of the biggest challenges you faced and how did you overcome it? And then on the flip side, what has been the best thing for you, either personally or professionally, that you have gained since launching this company? I think kind of a general challenge for me is, um, is just being able to handle the workload and being able to prioritize and, and um, plan efficiently. 
because uh, I'm not a planner. So it's, yeah, it's just kind of a constant challenge. And um, I think that, you know, it's going, that the solution is to get somebody involved, you know, bring somebody on the team that really, really is a planner and will we'll take that over and allow me to just focus on the things that I'm, I'm more um, interested in, more interested and better at, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we've also dealt with Levi trying to sue us over a trademark um, issue last year. And it was it, not only that, it was just, it was a, a tor- uh, terrible timing. So, so basically um, we added this tab label to all of our products in, um, you know, beginning of 2022 um, because we wanted something that was kind of like low profile. Um, so we went with the tab label and, you know, something that we could put on not only shorts, but put on like um, a bikini or like um, a dress, like a smock or something like that. And, um, we made the, um, the wrong decision of, um, making it a red tab label. So we put that on all of our products and then we, you know, heard from Levi's lawyers and we had to basically remove all of our inventory from, um, uh, our warehouse and remove each label. And that was in the middle of the summer. It was like in the middle of June. So it really like set us back almost a full year. Like we're still dealing with it now. And, uh, that's just one of those things where it's, it is just really bad luck and it's something that happens and we'll have to deal with stuff like that in the future. But, you know, just from a business point of view, it's just like the, the cash flow issues that, that were the result of that. It's just all the stuff we've been dealing with. It's like, that really sucked. So, um, but what the lesson learned from that was we had, we now have a, a great lawyer and um, a <laughs> yeah. team. And so that may be prevented from the start, um, next time around. Yeah. Um, what I would say is I think that one of the biggest challenges, and I think it's so funny because your answer was very much pertaining to your personality with like work and priorities. And mine is the more emotional response where, um, even though it's a business and it's, you know, we say it's an extension of us when something doesn't go well or something is not well received, it's really hard to separate it. It feels like a personal, mm-hmm. like, that was a dig on me. And it's really, really hard to just remember it's a business and it's not me, but because we put so much time and energy and our personal opinions, I'm like, I like this color. I like this design. I like this, um, this sentence for a, you know, copy, or I like this for this photo shoot. I love this angle. It's like tiny little things that just don't, if it doesn't go well, it's, it's really frustrating to just accept it as like a, Oh, well, some people didn't like it. It's like, but why? <laughs> so I think that's hard. And I, I think that as we grow, it's going to get easier because there's just too much to focus on. So you don't have to like harp on these little ones, but it still, it still hurts. But I think it's just the recovery is quicker now. Absolutely. I think it's so hard when you put something out there that you've put your heart and soul into. And, you know, we all, we all, I think, kind of know, like, conceptually that in doing that, we're opening ourselves up for criticism. But then when it actually happens, and you mm-hmm. put so much of yourself into that thing, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I think for some people, it's enough for them to want to give up altogether yeah. because of the criticism. Um, yeah. But it's, I think, like, Sarah, what you said about the recovery getting quicker, I think it does happen every creative entrepreneur, every artist, anyone who's sharing what they're making with the world goes through this. I don't think anyone is exempt. I've experienced it as well. Um, yeah. And it's a huge challenge. It's really hard. It can be, feel really discouraging. But I think it's always just remembering like, 
okay, this is part of it. This is what I signed up for. And there will literally always uh, be someone who doesn't like what I'm doing, no matter what it is, you know? I think that eventually you have to stop reading the comments. You know, you have yes. to that point in your yes. where you yep, maybe have someone else read the comments for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but then I think on the flip side, um, just to answer, to complete your question, is like, what's the best part? I think it's just seeing, you know, like when you hear from a customer that's just like so stoked or, you know, just a fan that's like, I mean, I just love what you guys are doing. And it's, it's like you never fully know what it is about, you know, it about about the products or about the brand that they're that they're so um, stoked on. But like you said, they're, they they connect with the they're resonating and they appreciate what we're working on here. So uh, and then especially like meeting people like that in person, you know, like that's even more I think fulfilling is when you get to connect with people in person um, that that you know resonate um, like minded people. So I think. I think that's my favorite part um, for the, the positive. I, that's my favorite part too. And I just, I remember I would be as my first, I was a teacher and for many years, almost 10 years. And I knew I was good at what I did. I, I just, and I loved it so much. And so when parents would be so appreciative and to say, you really have impacted my child, you have, you have just made such a difference and whatever it is that they would say, I, I felt, I was always so proud and felt so good. And I, teaching and making clothing is, is very different. But when you go into a crowd and someone said your hammies, there's just a feeling of like they were, you can feel the excitement and you, you know that they like something that you did or made. And it's a similar feeling where I, I feel proud. And that's, I think feeling pride in what you do is, I don't know what's bad. Like, I don't know if there's anything better. Yeah. And just to add to that, um, one other thing is just seeing what people like, how people um, express themselves and how they like get creative with our products or, or um, the brand. Um, yeah. Cause we have, you know, we have people doing, doing all kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when the creativity spurs creativity and yeah. it's like yeah. you as an artist, you make something and then someone says, I saw this piece and it inspired me to do this piece. And mm-hmm. that's, I think with creatives, I think that's the world that I think we live in where we're constantly feeding off of other inspiration, creativity. So it's just this world of mm-hmm. giving and taking and giving back and, it's amazing. It's like a beautiful cycle and it's a really powerful thing. I also was going to add on to your, you know, when you shared the best part for you, I can imagine it's also pretty cool when you're out and about and you see hammies in the wild. (laughs) Yeah. I remember you both sharing a story with me, like maybe three or four years ago, or maybe longer. I might've still been in LA at this time, but I think you had shared that you were driving or you were on your bikes or you were out and you saw people that you just didn't even know wearing your shorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's got to be yep. a yeah, moment. Well, the first time that happened, it was like, that was momentous. You know? Yeah. Wow. It, the it's first time there. I remember we were, we were in Santa Monica and a, and a girl came and I could, she was on the beach and I knew that they were hands because I saw the, the tab that we, the tag that we no, have, not the, the not the tag, the tag <laughs> that we have in the front. And I was like, that, that doesn't look like one of our colors. And then I, I got a little closer and we just had to ask. And she yeah. said, oh, I I dyed them. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Um, and then I yeah. don't know if it was from that experience where we always had the idea of the DIY shorts. 
And yeah, so that um, was pre DIY. That was sure. pre DIY, um, but that was the first time I remember. Yeah, I think that was probably as well. Like I, I remember a couple of times in Santa Barbara um, after we had moved there, like seeing just people like. But it happened in around. LA when we yeah, were still in was, LA, and that was really early on. So that was really huge because yeah. you know LA's not a small town, and so it was. It felt really like wow, they're like out there. They're yeah. out there. <laughs> it's so exciting. I like I can't even imagine and. They're in New York City. I just met up with a friend the other day who was wearing a pair. And oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, so. Brooklyn is a hot spot. You know, every time I check our like live view on Shopify, like who's shopping right now, like Brooklyn is always number one. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. I mean, it makes sense. Um, it makes sense. I mean, it's obviously cold in the wintertime, so you can't really wear shorts. But like in the summertime, Brooklyn is shopping well and also for any you know anyone in brooklyn listening we've got the bell bottoms now so that problem yeah. is solved for the winter, winter is solved. yeah winter yeah is solved. we have a couple other cold weather things coming out this this fall um, yeah. just because we probably i think we probably sell four times as much stuff in the summertime as the winter so that is a that that um, comes with its own challenges, you know, business challenges. Being seasonal. So, we, being we, so we, seasonal, we really wanted so. to bridge that. So we don't have to have a ton of sales in the winter, but we need some to sustain it. So, yeah. So we got some fun retro, um, colder weather stuff coming this fall. Amazing. Well, we will keep an eye out and I'm just so excited about everything you're both doing a huge inspiration to us all. And oh. I just love seeing your growth. It's really awesome. Um, and so where can our listeners find you? Uh, social media, website, tell us, and I'll put the links in the chat. Yep. So the website is hammies.com. Um, it's spelled H-A-M-M-I-E-S. Um, we are Hammies Shorts on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, all, all those places. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'll drop it in the show notes. I think I said chat, but I meant show notes. <laughs> um, I'm so used to leading, you know, Zoom workshops where we're always dropping it in the chat. Uh, but I want to thank you both so much for this inspiring conversation. And I think a big takeaway here is like, if you're excited about something, if you have an idea, just go put it out into the world. You both did that and you started on a small scale and now you have, you know, a global audience and it's just been amazing to see. So Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. And, and we, we just got to say that we're, um, we're, we're so stoked to see what you've created over the past, um, I guess it's been about five years now. About the same. Yeah. yeah. And um, I just so for your listeners, I remember when um, Victoria and I were teaching and it was, it was this idea of maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. This is a lot. <laughs> um, and then how many years later it went from to being an art teacher, to an artist, to a um, to having an art, artistic platform on social media, to um, a magazine, to a oh, podcast, to a gallery. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, you know, I think something that happens when you dive into entrepreneurship that's been really powerful is that you start to realize that you are capable of a lot more than you realize. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, if I did this thing, maybe I could do this thing and maybe I could do this thing. And then for me, it's built a lot of confidence as I'm sure it has for you both, but also you run into challenges and then you have to overcome them, but then you become more confident from that too. So 
yeah, it's been an amazing experience. And thank you both. Amazing. Aww. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, cheers to um, having, I guess, no barriers and um, seeing what happens with ideas and inspiration. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you both so much. And for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.